you know, years ago, I actually used to do marriage preparation uh, for couples. And I had a couple, I always tried to get like a one year married, five year married, 20, 30. And I had a couple that was married more than 60 years. And I always had them come and present to the, the newly engaged couples. And just off a offhand comment, I said to them on closing in their little gig that they were given is, what's your recipe for a great marriage? And he did not miss a beat, Charlie. And he said, an abundance of patience and a minimum of pettiness. Principal Matters Podcast, episode 245. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about handling schools with care with my special guest, Joy Kelly. Joy Kelly is the co-author of the new book, Handle with Care, Managing Difficult Situations in Schools with Dignity and Respect, written along with our friend Jimmy Casas. Joy has more than 25 years of educational experience in public and parochial schools as a teacher, coach, mentor, associate principal, and principal. In 2015, she was named the Iowa Associate Principal of the year. She also provides coaching and training for new administrators in Iowa and across the nation. She earned her bachelor's degree in history from the University of Iowa, a master's degree in educational leadership from the University of Northern Iowa, and is a licensed pre-K-12 superintendent. Joy has presented for NASSP and ASCD, and she is right now being invited to places all across the nation because of this great new book. Joy, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. Please fill in the gaps on that intro. And I always like to ask my guests to tell the listeners something else they may be surprised to know about you. Great. Hi, Will. Thanks so much for including me and inviting me to be a part of this uh, podcast. And I just want to thank all the listeners for tuning in and just the commitment everyone makes every day to all of our students uh, across the country and throughout the world. Um, I've been blessed to serve as a school administrator for over 20 years. Uh, I'm still a high school principal. I love my work. I love what I do. I love working with the kids every day and the staff and really connecting with our families and doing the best we can to help our kids um, leave our high school with the skills and competencies and abilities, uh, not only be successful in work and in uh, schooling, but also in their relationships and where they head uh, in the future. Uh, last summer, Will, I had uh, attended a conference. Um, actually, that person came to us uh, maybe a year and a half ago, I guess. And uh, one of the questions we were asked was to fill in the blank and is, I'm an educator because, and boy, it was interesting because I was in a room full of a bunch of principals and there was a fair amount of navel gazing going on. You know, people was kind of looking down like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, and it is kind of a hard question when you're not expecting it, I guess I would say. And I wrote down the first thing that came to my mind is I'm an educator because it is the most effective way for me to minister to others. And interestingly, about six months later, the, um, the presenters sent us uh, a framed copy of that. And I always thought that was just a great activity and a, a great uh, thing to review on. So it sits on my windowsill in my office because I do think it is a ministry. I think it's our way of helping and supporting other people. Um, I started as a public high school teacher. I then went to be a Catholic school administrator. Uh, had a wonderful experience with that. Um, had a baby basically every year I was there uh, and then figured out this is what I'm earning in a paycheck and this is what I'm paying in childcare. And so made the decision to go home with my kids for a few years uh, before uh, moving on to my next public school 
uh, opportunity. I have five children, um, all whom have gone through my school. Uh, and I'll tell you what, they are pretty good eyes and ears about the culture of a school, about the way the adults you know, interact with students, about how students treat each other, about what you should and should not wear to work, uh, all kinds of things they give you feedback about. But that is probably something I'm just so pleased to have had that opportunity um, to you know, be a part of a system where my children were there, but they have also served as great teachers for me. Wow, Joy. There's so much just in that introduction. I love that quote. And I'm also, you know, whenever I talk to parents who've been able to serve kids in their own schools, you're right. I'm the father of four and two of my daughters graduated from my high school and it completely changes the way you see your school when your own kids are walking there. You're not only getting the perspective of the educator, but now you have the perspective of your kids. I remember one day we were in the middle of a lockdown and my phone rang and it was my daughter. And I was so upset that she was calling him in the middle of a lockdown, but she had just yeah. enough time. She had just enough time to say to me, dad, I'm scared what's happening. And I realized what a poor job we had done communicating during that lockdown that everyone was safe, that here's the situation. And I got back on and made an announcement that time from the perspective of the kids, yeah. not the perspective of the principal, but the kids. Well, you know, we used to have drills and, you know, not all that distant past, but code red, code blue. And I thought, why in the heck are we doing this, especially at the high school level? You know, they can handle what's going on when they know what's going on. And I had that happen one time with my kids, too. Even when you announce, hey, there's a situation in the community um, and we're going to lock down right now, just asking people not to go anywhere. But in my own kids will text, mom, are you OK? Is everything OK? And. I do think people forget that sometimes. I always have to remind myself to make sure that I am, you know, honest and open enough that people see me more than just a principal. You know, I'm also a mother. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. Um, I'm a niece. You know, all those things. And one of the things that we wrote about in the book is how important it is that people see you as something other than just a school official. Um, but those are sort of some things you just always want to be mindful of. Uh, and just really when we're communicating with kids, just tell them what's going on. They they can handle it. One of the things we've kind of taken a, a step further is, you know, when we have a situation like that, we ask the students to go ahead and let their parents know, take your phones out right now, please text your folks. Ambulance and police are in front of the building because there's an injury among a student. Nobody is in any danger, any harm, but teaching the kids the importance of making sure that they are not being dramatic and, you know, that they are effectively communicating accurate information. We're just living in different times and highly sensitive times, and we just have a responsibility to make sure we're doing that. That's brilliant, Joy. Thanks for sharing that application, too. And that leads right into the first question that I would love for you to share from your book that you and Jimmy just published, Handle with Care Managing Difficult Situations in Schools with Dignity and Respect. You start that book with a story that the chapter heading has the question, would you rather I call mom or dad? Could you unpack that story and why that's important for leaders and educators to keep in mind when serving kids? Sure. One of the things I want to say first is just how much I love the title, The Handle with Care. Uh, and that was actually somebody else who helped with that. And that was just such great insight to all that we had written about. Um, and it's really the at the core of what we are trying to do in terms of the interactions we have with students and staff. And like I said, not just the students. I think sometimes, you know, especially we've had sort of a student's first mindset. I don't have any objection to that, but that does not mean, you know, that you forget the others either, you know. Um, so the story is about Jack and Jack was in his principal's office um, 
a behavior issue that had happened a couple of times. And this principal relayed that, you know, as she continued to talk through the behavior issue with Jack and kind of resolved that, um, just said, hey, I think it's important to let a parent know, would you rather I call mom or dad? And Jack said, well, you can't call either. And the principal went on to say, hey, you know, don't get smart. You know, I need, you know, just need to get a hold of one parent to let them know. And and the, the student then responded, well, you can't call either. And the principal said, why not? And Jack responded that his father had shot and killed his mother and killed himself. And when you hear that, you know, even now when I hear that, you know, you kind of get chills and your heart kind of sinks and so forth. And and when I processed that with that principal, she said for her, it was sort of like a freeze moment at a time when she thought she was, would you rather I call mom or dad? Like give you an option. And just the reality is all of our kids, and that's a very extreme situation, extreme story. But I think the, the lesson in that is we have to be really careful as school people, whether it's teachers, coaches, directors, principals, paraeducators, bus drivers, it doesn't matter who it is. We have to be really careful that we're not making the wrong types of assumptions. And one of the important things about that story is how important it is um, to understand that virtually every student who walks into our buildings at any age level has experienced some level of, whether it's pain or trauma or just a challenging situation. We now know it's universally true because everybody's been through the pandemic. And that has caused all kinds of angst and difficulties for children and adults alike. Um, but I think it's just really important that story kind of says, hey, you just have to assume everybody's got some challenging situation. And I think we approach situations differently when we make that assumption. Um, we also, you know, that principal kind of said, well, don't get smart, you know, because of sort of the matter of fact way that Jack had responded. But I think it's a good lesson in making sure we recognize that outward expressions don't always align with internal feelings um, and just how important it is to ask questions rather than to make assumptions about uh, the behaviors. Um, the other thing I'd say about that story is just how important it is to recognize that uh, we really need to assume the best about others, just how important that is, um, whether it's our colleagues, the parents that we're dealing with, um, and certainly the children. We have to assume the best and do our best to understand where they are in that moment. Mm. Joey, there's so many things I appreciate about that because you can apply that lesson to almost, well, I'm not going to say almost, I'm going to say you can apply those lessons to all the practices that you do in mm -hmm. education and education leadership. And I, I really appreciate the way you guys divided this book into, into categories and sections on how to culturize different places of your schools through that lens of, of caring. And which leads to my next question. You, you guys have a chapter on culturizing discipline. And I know that a lot of education leaders invest a lot of time in student behavior, student discipline, especially associate or vice principals that may be listening mm -hmm. to this conversation. So what ideas should, should education leaders keep in mind when they're learning to culturize, quote unquote, culturize discipline? Well, a couple of things I would say is, you know, you're going to learn a lot by the discipline issues. And yes, it'll take time. And if you're going to learn um, lessons that will help other colleagues and other children, you need to take the time and invest the time in, in managing that situation. So the first thing I would say is um, be patient. <laughs> there is there are going to be situations that you may want to tear your hair out or that kid. I've been talking to that kid X number of times. 
Um, I think we always want to remain, remember that behavior is a form of communication. Um, the compliant ones are telling you one thing and the disruptive ones are telling you another thing, but they may actually both be coming from a similar experience. It's just how they communicate it. And so I think we always want to assume that it is a form of communication. Um, the other thing I would say is we just really have to focus on respect. You know, um, one of the things I try to work with my administrators are is, particularly when there's a disruptive student or somebody who's been terribly disrespectful, I always tell people, you know, the kids who are yelling and howling, the louder they get, the softer we need to get. The more disrespectful they are, whether it's F-bombing or calling you names or whatever it might be, the greater respect we need to show to them in that min in that moment. We can go through and focus on the behaviors later, but at that time and in that moment, we need to lower the temperature for the student um, and help them work through that. Again, it's just a form of communication. Um, I just think behavior issues, especially, are an one of the greatest opportunities for teaching and learning. Uh, and when students have missteps and understand they are going to have missteps and so are the adults and how we treat them and how we manage them is going to make a difference in their takeaway from that. But when they have those missteps, I always tell students, you know, when they something happens, they get a little sideways, they get upset and then eventually get to the point, like, I'm sorry, Miss Kelly. And then I'll say, hey, here's one thing you need to understand. It is your job as a teenager to push the boundary lines. You just need to accept that it's my job as one of the adults in your life who cares about you that I have to hold the boundary line and say, hey, you know what? You can't do that. But here's why. Um, I had a student one time coming through, you know, wearing a hat. And I said, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you take your hat off, please? He just kind of looked at me and I was kind of walking past him as he was going the other way. And I said, hey, come here, will you please? And then I said, do you know why I asked you to take your hat off? And it's just those simple things, making sure if we have rules and regulations in our building, do the kids know why? Do they know why we are doing those things? Um, and so I said, there's a couple things. First of all, we want to make sure you're a person who belongs here in the school and you're one of our school community members. Secondly, we can't see your face. You know, we can't see your face and that, you know, gets concerning. I always tell the kids, you know, there's some of, there's pieces of me that's old school and I still think, you know, shouldn't wear hats inside a building. And so I'll even say, so can you just humor me and understand that's kind of an old lady thing and they laugh. But, but I think when you take the time to explain it to them, it's just a very different reaction. But I, I think that's the piece about behavior you need to really understand is do not assume that the kids know how to behave. We can't assume that. There's so much in that joy. And I also appreciate the fact that you, in that moment, you were, it was teachable. You established, reestablished a relationship or maybe established a relationship, depending on who the kid is. Yeah. And you and you leveraged humor. I mean, it's all of those things are, are part of, of lightening that moment. There's so much that you just unpacked in that whole conversation on discipline. And so Principal Matters listeners, rewind this part of the conversation again, because so much of what Joy just said is applicable to the work that we do every day, setting appropriate boundaries, making sure that we modulate our own behavior to try to bring the temperature down in a room, they're, those are such powerful takeaways, Joy, and, and they're obvious takeaways from someone who's had experience of doing it right, doing it wrong, and then right. learning, in the, and learn, learning in the process. So one thing I would add to that, Will, is, you know, I think we also need to accept that the adults don't always get it right. We are not always right. You know, we write about in the book a situation where a student, the referral comes in and it says, um, student F-bombed the teacher, please drop from class. That was actually what it said. 
And so when you work through that with the students, say, hey, tell me about this. The kids, they own their stuff. They're pretty good about owning their stuff. Yep, I said that. You know, and then when you kind of process a little bit more, can you tell me more about why that happened? Well, then the student will explain that about three or four times when the student arrived to class, oh, nice of you to join us today was the comment from the teacher. A little bit further into the class, collecting homework. Oh, I can't imagine you have your homework done, do you? Second zinger at the student. And then going on to the next activity in the class, uh, you don't suppose you brought anything to write with today. By that point, the kids, it's no longer about the pen or the pencil. It's about the fact that that adult has been zinging, zinging, zinging. And uh, that's where you have to help adults to say, where can you, because imagine if that kid had walked in the room and the teacher said, hey, good to see you. Imagine when, you know, don't suppose you brought a pencil. Imagine if you just put a pencil right on the kid's desk. Don't say a word, just put one on the kid's desk. So there's a lot of things that we can do to be proactive. But I think, you know, when I say don't get, adults don't always get it right, that includes me. I had a situation a couple of years ago. We, at that time, this probably four or five years ago, required lanyards. And this kid, I had talked to repeatedly, hey, can you put your lanyard on, please? Hey, you need to have your lanyard, please. Well, he showed up in the main office one morning and any leader out there knows, you all know that you've made 500 decisions before 8 a.m. And it was one of those mornings, super busy, dealing with a lot of things. And this young man's in there, no ID. And before he even had a chance to say a word, I said, can you get your ID on, please? And he stormed out, off he went. And it took me a little bit doing a couple other things. I came back and I thought, I never asked him why he came to see me. And so I looked up a schedule. He was in chemistry class. I go to his chemistry class and just hilarious. You stand at the door and kind of do that motion like, hey, motion finger, like, come here, please. And he just shook his head no at me. Didn't say a word, just shook his head no at me. So I went into the classroom. I kind of went behind him just very quietly said to him, could you please step out in the hallway with me? I just want to work through this with you. And he did. And when he came out, you could see on the body language, the armor was up, man. He was not having it. And I said, I want to start by apologizing to you. I said, I was not being a good listener this morning. And I don't even know why you came to see me. And I need you to know, I'm sorry, I was not being a very good listener. I should not have led with that. And just like it totally melts away. His anger, everything else went right away. And then he proceeded to tell me what he had come to see me about. And so those are things we just have to get better about recognizing when we're, when we're good, yay. But when we're not, it's okay. We're not gonna be great all the time. And just that ability to say to a child, I, I wasn't good in that moment and I apologize. It's pretty powerful. Hey, Principal Matters listeners, before we continue this great conversation with Joy Kelly, I just want to remind you of a couple of things. First of all, if you could go to either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast and rate this program, it makes it more available to others. Two, if you are looking for keynotes, workshops, trainings connected to any of my books, Principal Matters, Messaging Matters, pause, breathe, flourish, please reach out to me by email at will at williamdparker.com because my summer and fall calendar are filling up quickly. And finally, if you are interested in a mastermind, which we will begin a new session in the summer beginning in June, then please reach out to me. You can check out the option at my website at williamdparker.com slash mastermind or just email me at will at williamdparker.com for more information on ways you can connect with other leaders and leveling up your leadership now let's continue listening to great value from our guest today, Joy Kelly. That is so powerful. Handle with care. What a great example, Joy. I've made so many mistakes. I, you're reminding me of 
a time that I had a student in the office that I was grilling for having missed assigned discipline for an inappropriate behavior in gym. And I'll just be frank, this was years ago. So hopefully nobody mm-hmm. listening will divulge <laughs> confidentiality, but a kid had pulled another kid's shorts down in, in, in front of some other boys. And so we had assigned discipline and he had missed the first assigned discipline. So I pulled him in and I was just, I was, you know, I, I was doing the kind of the, the, I was being assertive, you know, what, where were you? Why, you know, we get, we, we assign this because this is appropriate for what you did. I'm just going on and on and on. And finally he gets a word in. He's like, Mr. Parker, with all due respect, I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I realized I had pulled the wrong kid for the referral. I was sitting there just going on and on and on and I had the wrong kid in my office. And so you just have to posit those moments and just say, you know what? I am so sorry that I just had this conversation with you. Please accept my apologies. And of course, I even called his parent to let him know. I I pulled your child in my office today incorrectly for something he didn't do. And I just wanted to make sure you knew I apologized. And then of course I found the student. And by that time it was a better conversation because I was so embarrassed at my own behavior that I managed the follow-up on that next conversation better than it would have been. Otherwise. Right. Right. So you, one thing you learn from that is, and I've learned that as well. When you get the referrals, oftentimes now when I get the students in my office, I will not have even opened the referral. I will just say to them, Hey, I have a referral here from so-and-so. And then they can tell you, right. Yeah, I know, you know, but probably the more powerful thing on that is this, because I have not opened the referral, I say to the students, can you tell me from your perspective what happened here? Because that automatically, because when they, especially like freshmen, because they're new to the school and so forth, there'll be a quick punishment. Just just give me the punishment. It's like, well, no, no, no. I actually want to know from your perspective what happened because we do learn a lot. We learn about the adults and the students um, uh, and a myriad of other things. So, oh. So that's how I ask on referrals. Joy, what great feedback. And Principal Matters listeners, I know that you're doing what I'm doing right now, which is like, can I just call Joy when I want to walk through some scenarios, which I'm going to share her contact information with you at the end of today's conversation. Joy, there was another question I wanted to ask you that that stood out to me when in the in the book when you talk about culturizing activities and events. I know that this has been a crazy year, but you've led a school during a crazy year during a pandemic. And what are some ways that you have discovered for educators that help them connect students with school pride or with their schools in in ways that those activities and events build culture? Well, one thing I would say is that I think a crisis, and I think the pandemic, certainly when it hit last March, um, you know, I went back and looked at my notes last spring, the first announcement I made to our students about coronavirus Um, And it was so lighthearted because I had no idea the magnitude of what it was going to become. I literally played a clip of my Sharona, you know, and then introduced that as the coronavirus. Hey, just wanted you to be aware. There's this thing out there, coronavirus, and just really reviewed with them, you know, hand washing and staying home if you're sick and coughing into your elbow and all those things. That's February 3rd last year. And, you know, we were shut down in the middle of March, like the rest of the country was. Um, but I kept announcing to like, as it got closer, I'm thinking, Hey, we can be shut down. Literally thought it'd be for a couple of days. Um, and just said to the kids, Hey, you just need to take everything home with you. We might have a few days that you're going to be at home. And you know, all those things had no idea we would be out, um, for the rest of the quarter, but here's what I would say, whether it's a crisis of that magnitude, a death of a staff member, um, you know, God forbid, these, you know, I'll tell you the people who have been through school shootings, they just, 
I carry them in my heart so much because I think that is such a devastating thing and for a lifetime. And I hope, you know, those listeners out there who have been dealing with that, who have been in that situation, certainly are connecting with other people that can help and support them through that um, because it is, it is something that fundamentally can change and hopefully it changes in a way that brings some sense of peace. I know initially certainly will not be the case, but, but when you face a crisis, I guess what I'm saying is you're either going to learn new things about your school or it's gonna affirm what you know about your school positively or negatively. I'm so blessed and so grateful that the things I learned about my staff and my students and our families is the staff immediately, we went right away to learning, required learning for credit. I mean, we literally flipped our school in a matter of two days, you know, to an entirely different online learning uh, platform. And what a phenomenal job the staff did. And it wasn't, I, how's that gonna happen? We can't do that. Why is that? It was, what do we need to do? And so I'm just so proud of that. And the kids, and they struggled, you know, they struggled, but you know, you find out like, for example, you know, when a staff member dies, how students respond, you find out a lot about your culture, you know, when, when students are responding. So a couple of things I would say about that is just focusing on the relationships is so important. Um, and I know rigor, I always say, you know, we got to focus on relationships and then we'll get to the rigor because if we lead with the rigor, we're not going to really manage that in the way that it needs to be managed. So the relationships uh, would be certainly most important. Um, I think you want to be careful about making sure that in those moments, you know, what it, a good question to ask students or staff is, especially when they're upset, angry, whatever it might be, what is it you need me to better understand? Because I think for a lot of kids and even adults, they haven't developed that emotional vocabulary to be able to identify what they're feeling, why it is, and to name it, you know? And so anytime we can help them through that is just, it, that is super powerful. Um, the, the last thing I'd say about that in relationship to that question is, you know, making sure we deal with situations on a one-to-one -one basis. Let's be very careful not to, you know, take a broad uh, paintbrush, you know, when it just needs a little bit of thin, thin um, paintbrush. And by that, I mean, you know, silent lunches. Oh, good Lord. That, that is just, that, nothing kills a school culture like silent lunches. For heaven's sake, the children have been sitting and listening and learning and everything else. They need some time. And that's part of the socialization. You know, when I see schools, you know, limiting recess, I think, oh, heavens, you know how much can be learned at recess? Um, restricting recess bad at the secondary level, you know, a couple of kids are late or a couple of kids are not managing themselves. The whole class has to stay. We're not doing that. So, And staff members, yeah, I can tell you that, you know, when situations happen that say that grades are due at X and you have eight teachers who didn't you know, submit them on time, do not go to the staff meeting and say, you know, I'm really upset that people didn't submit grades. Go to the individual staff members and deal with them there. That's so powerful, Joy. And I, I appreciate how you apply those lessons to both kids and teachers and the school community because they all apply. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I like to call that the, um, well, this is, I grew up in West Tennessee, so we did a lot of hunting. So I call it the, um, the, the single shot versus the shotgun approach. You know, if you've got right. somebody, if you've got somebody who's misbehaving, single shot, just go address it individually. But please do not shotgun the whole school, right? Uh, because because of that one event. Well, I want to finish up the conversation with with the chapter where you talk about being a merchant of hope, because I know that educators often 
it's easy to lose sight when we're pushing for academic outcomes, when we're trying to, I know right now the conversations I'm hearing online are about closing the learning gap. And all of that is so important for us reaching our academic goals. But how is the idea of being a merchant of hope helping you reach those goals with proper focus? Well, I think if you're going to be a merchant of hope for anybody, you better know them, you know, and, and especially when people are, whether it's the challenges of the job, which have been enormous, I think people, you know, educators, and they get to summer this summer will be the biggest sigh of relief ever imagined. Um, and it should also be a time of celebration because people have done phenomenal things throughout the year. But in order to be able to know and understand them, you know, that's how you can go ahead and embrace some of the difficulty and the discomfort. Um, if you're going to be a merchant of hope, I think it's helping people find a path forward. So whether it's a misstep that a student has had, you know, I think it's just so important. The path forward uh, has to be, you know, I want you to understand, like when it comes to discipline, making sure that we as the adults are separating the difference between discipline and punishment. Uh, discipline is, hey, and I tell the students this, hey, I'm applying discipline. So the next time around, when you're faced with a similar situation, you rethink it a little bit and go, oh, that didn't work out so well for me last time. So that I don't need a discipline. You have enough self-discipline now to manage that yourself and not get yourself in that situation. Punishment, I have power. You know, and so making sure that we as the adults who are managing those situations, we are being disciplinarians and not authoritarians who are using our power uh, against them. So helping them find a path forward has to be, I hope you understand, this is why I'm disciplining you. And here's what I need from you. I need you to reflect on this, learn from it, file it under experience and move on. And then always close out any conference with, I want you to know I'm not mad or upset at you. Do you believe me when I tell you that? Yes, you know, and then the other thing I say is, and also when I see you in the hallway, I see you at the ball game or I see you at lunch, I'm not thinking about this. You know, you are, you have a fresh start with me right now. Um, and I just want you to do better. That's all I'm asking of you. And, and, and you have to have the same level of empathy and compassion and care for your staff. And when they have missteps, the thing about educators, which was the first message I gave my staff last year when the pandemic hit, our perfectionism is out the window. We are not going to be perfect. We're going to do our best, but we're not going to be perfect. Um, so making sure that we are providing the same level of support, care, and concern for the adults is, is really important. You know, Joy, you and I have done this work for a long time, and I've been on the other side of that conversation many times, too, with students. But just even hearing you say that is so weird. Just hearing you say what you say to kids made me feel better. There's yeah. just so much power in in establishing with other people that um, you understand what they've done, but you're not, but but your opinions of them aren't based on what just happened. Right. Uh, there's there's a much and so so you're so correct that that you can't be a merchant of hope unless you're invested in that relationship long term. Right. You know, and I know as a young leader, I often thought, well, it's my job to execute discipline. And, and then I'll move down the road. And what I didn't anticipate was what does that look like when I run into that kid or his or her parent in the store that evening or mm -hmm. that weekend at the ball event or later when my kids are in the same class with that child. And so that relationship can't just be a one-time moment. It, it has to be something that you think about 
um, as part of a, a long-term community investment. So that's so powerful. I, I want to give you an opportunity to provide um, listeners with ways they can connect with you. Um, and then uh, and just any closing thoughts, Joy, that you might have about handling with care or any other ideas you wanted to leave with Principal Matters listeners. So a couple of things I would say, let me close with a couple of thoughts and then I'll give the contact information. But um, yeah, years ago, I actually used to do marriage preparation uh, for couples and I had a couple. I always tried to get like a one year married, five year married, 20, 30. And I had a couple that was married more than 60 years and I always had them come and present to the the newly engaged couples. And just off a offhand comment, I said to them on closing and their little gig that they were given is, what's your recipe for a great marriage? And he did not miss a beat, Charlie. And he said, an abundance of patience and a minimum of pettiness. And I think about that and I think, yeah, that's every relationship. That's not just marriage. And so I think as educators, it's really important that we, which I started this um, podcast with you about patience and I'm gonna end it a little bit with that is just how important it is to be patient. And we have to rise above some of the petty things, whether it's among the adults, between admin and staff, you know, with the students, whatever it might be. So that's one thing I would say. Second thing is anytime we're dealing with kids, just how important or staff or parents, guardians, whoever it might be, um, how important time, place, and manner is to the conversation. You know, when a kid is losing their garbage every which way is not the time to point out how they're not managing themselves well. They can't even think clearly. But once you get to that point, then you have to figure out when, when are we gonna have this conversation? Probably you know, addressing a kid in the cafeteria in front of everybody and the brother in the cafeteria is not gonna go well. So I think we always need to ask ourselves: is this the appropriate time to have this conversation? Is this the appropriate place to have this conversation? And am I managing this in an appropriate way uh, that's gonna elicit some positive results out of them? Um, the next thing I would say is about power. We lose no power as parents, as principals, as teachers, or anybody else by sharing power. You know, I, I lose nothing by saying when I'm issuing a detention to a student, hey, do you want to serve your detention Tuesday after school, Wednesday morning, or Wednesday after school? What works best for you? To have some hard and fast Tuesday after school, that's what it is, is so disrespectful, and it doesn't give them some ownership of it, you know? So I think, you know, being careful with power. And then the last thing I would say is we have to be willing to hear a little bad news um, and feedback. And I tell students and I tell staff, look, I want the feedback. You can come and tell me, I need to know if something's gone awry or if you're not having a good experience or, hey, Joy, have you thought about this? Any of those things. I, I do tell people, now don't come in and just say, Joy, you're crap and you suck. That's not gonna go well, you know, but, I have to be willing to hear a little bad news or I'm not gonna get better as a principal, as a parent, and we won't get better as an institution. So it's just really important that we be willing to hear a little bad news. Joy, I always provide show notes for listeners on the conversations that we're having. And I know this is going to be one of those episodes where people are gonna to wanna to go back for to look at these takeaways. I know I am. And uh, I would love for you to share ways that listeners can stay connected with you in the days ahead. Sure, so I'm on Twitter at Joy, J-O-Y, Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, zero five. Um, also, I do want to make sure that people know Jimmy is a great resource as well. Um, his handle is at Casas, C-A-S-A-S, underscore Jimmy, J-I-M-M-Y. He probably needs no introduction to your listeners. Uh, he's fantastic. He's been a great mentor. Uh, we have mentored in 
helped each other a lot and uh, he's doing really good stuff to help our profession uh, really grow and blossom and do the best things we can for kids. Well, the book is Handle with Care, Managing Difficult Situations in Schools with Dignity and Respect by Jimmy Casas and Joey Kelly. And you can find it at connected2ds.org or on Amazon. Joey Kelly, what a privilege to be in this Zoom meeting with you, to talk to you today. And Principal Matters listeners, I know you're walking away with some amazing value from this conversation. So please reach back to Joy, check out this new book, and thanks for doing What Matters. We'll talk to you next week. You can find other resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.